0: If you want it baby I can show ya, if you want it I can get to know ya, if you want it baby I can show ya, if you want it baby I can show ya, let me explain as I'm taking it up, let me explain how I feel about us, if you want it baby I can show
1: ya, I can show ya. Welcome to episode 12 of Spurn of the Nation World, I'm your host Adam Hooper. In this episode we speak to a donor-conceived person from Orlando, Florida. It's always interesting hearing of different people's perspectives, and the lady with us today has currently found 51 donor siblings, and I dare say we are just scratching the surface. Welcome to the show, Kiani Ario. I hope I got that right. How are you today?
0: I'm good. How are you?
1: I'm <laughs> oh, great, thanks. Uh, so look, you're a donor-conceived person. We'll start from the very start of the story. Uh your family, what how, how does your family consist of and how how did you become a part of this earth? Like how did this <laughs> all you <the time.
0: laughs> so um, my mom she was 19 when she decided to have a baby? She it was in a same-sex relationship, so I grew up having two moms. Um, so she decided to go to a sperm bank and picked a donor that had the qualifications that met her needs, and she gave birth to me when she was 19. So I've always grown up knowing that I came from a sperm donor because obviously having two moms is not something that can create a child, but uh, but I wasn't able to know much about my donor until I got older.
1: Did you find growing up, like, was there an age that you started having more questions? Obviously, you've gone on a massive journey now as an end result of it, but I mean, where did it all start in your mind? Like, um, obviously, having two mums, it made it pretty quite obvious that there's something out there, but yeah, from what age did this all start gathering momentum from the very beginning?
0: So, growing up, I've had my second mom also had two kids of her own, so I had two brothers growing up, so I'd never really kind of registered in my mind that I had siblings or anything until I was around 11 when my two moms split. So then it was just me and my biological mom. And at that time, you know, I started getting into the idea of, okay, I have a donor. I've got to have more siblings out there. And then my mom got in contact with another mom who also has um, children from the same donor. And they ended up talking and created a group on Facebook and they started inviting all these other moms that we found who also have kids from the same donor. So I started finding some of my siblings around 11, 12 years old. Um, And then when I was 13, I met my first pair of sibling twins. And when I met them, they were only three years old. So they didn't exactly know who I was, but I knew who they were. So it was kind of just more of like a familiar um, relationship. They just kind of clung to me and my, their mom told them that I was their big sister and they went with it cause they were three. So they didn't know any better.
1: <laughs> no, uh, you know, the thing is it, you know, there is some ups and downs with being done to conceived. And I guess there's some magical parts of these stories and magical moments that you get to have as well resulting from it. So, uh, yeah, that did sound pretty special. I mean, so you've got your mum picked donor 2757. Is that
0: mm-hmm.
1: I, otherwise known as 2757? <laughs> so uh, basically that's um, a starting point for you when you went on your search. Is, is that what you, you know, when you're on your, your forums and all all that sort of stuff you, you, you put out there as uh, hoping someone can go, that number rings a bell when inquiry? Is that is that how I'm... A, Majority of people do come from, you know, find it. Yes.
0: So I found a lot of my siblings um, from that number uh, on the donor sibling registry. So on that site, you would enter in that donor's um, profile number, and you'd find families who match up with that same profile. They used to conceived kids. So that's basically the starting point of how I found my siblings. And then um, from there, other siblings did like DNA testing, and that's how we found others.
1: I think we'll, I think we'll quickly go back to your donor because I think there's so much more we can talk about your siblings because I mean there's obviously 50 of them to talk about, <laughs> <laughs> or at least 50 yeah, we know 51 I think you're currently up to. Uh, yeah. And so your donor, you, you've obviously he was probably one of the first of, of all this, these outer connections that you, you first linked up with.
0: Yeah, yeah, I did.
1: And so you've you've met him. What was the experience? What what age were you when you met him and what was the experience like and, you know, was there butterflies or, you know, any emotions that you had to go in the lead up or, you know, uh you could easily chicken out or is this something that let's jump in there and find out what's happening like how, you know, how
0: I've been dreaming of meeting him since I was super young. So I've always looked forward to the day that I was able to meet him. And I was only allowed to meet him and to contact him when I turned 18. So when I did turn 18, I did contact him. And he came to Florida, where I live, on a business trip. And so I was able to plan and coordinate a day where I can go and pick him up and meet him at his hotel and do something for the day. So me being 18, I finally had a car. So I was able to drive my car over to his hotel and, you know, I got really nervous in the car. My hands were shaking. I was alone. I didn't know, you know, how am I going to find this guy that, you know, kind of looks like me, but I don't know, it's a stranger essentially, but it's half of who I am. So I went inside looking and he ended up finding me and I, you know, at that moment I was really nervous. Like I didn't know whether or not to shake his hand or do I hug him or, you know, I don't know if he's like a personal, don't touch me, don't come into my bubble kind of person. I don't know who he is but eventually he saw that and he kind of just opened his arms and gave me a hug. And that kind of calmed me down. And Ah. um, from there, we kind of just got to get to know each other. And initially we had that conversation of like, you know, I don't hope you don't expect anything from me. I'm just a donor and you're just like an offspring that came from something that I did 20 years ago. So like, there wasn't, like, an instant, like, oh, my God, father-daughter relationship. But it was more of just getting to know each other on a personal level. So that was cool.
1: Hey, obviously, you know, when you both meet each other, there is that conversation of, oh, I'm just a donor, uh, you know, trying to keep that sort of professional, I guess, distance uh, in a way. Have you found that your, I guess, your relationships progressed? I mean, maybe not to a stage of calling daddy or anything like that, but do you feel like you, you has become more closer now and there is Definitely. sort of a family sort of relationship to an extent in some, you know, evaluation?
0: At first, like, he would feel distant and he would call us his offspring because it wasn't, like, it was a little bit detached, like, because we had no kind of relationship. But now it's been about four years since I've met him. And now he likes to call us his ducklings. (laughs) (laughs) Because he feels like there's a whole bunch of them that he helped create. And it's a little more lovingly of a nickname for us, rather than for him to call us his children, because he didn't raise us. So that's his way of feeling lovingly towards us.
1: Well, if you get 101, he can call you Dalmatians. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Eventually.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, you know, he when was the last time he donated at a clinic? And uh, he
0: told me that months? he donated in 2007.
1: Okay. And he, he obviously did it a lot of times.
0: Yeah. So they, okay, this is what he told me that um, he first donated in 1995 till 2000. And then he stopped donating. He, like, retired. But the clinic itself, they asked him to come back in and donate more for more families or families who already have kids to have more kids from the same donor. So he came back in in 2007 and donated again. But I guess the company didn't – they registered him as a new donor with the same number, So they opened him up to more families. And so new families got to have new kids from this old donor. So that's where we have like this huge age gap in all my siblings. But um, yeah, so he donated again in 2007, but he didn't donate a lot at that time. I guess they just kept it frozen for a while. How did he...
1: Well, did he know or was, did they make it aware to him, like how many donor siblings um, that he's helped create? Like did he have any idea in his head that like when he went back or uh, when he met you that, you could, you know, was there any conversation going, on, like I wonder if there's five or ten of you? Like was there or, you know, what, did he have any expectations of how many of he, he, little ducklings he, are out there?
0: <laughs> he knew that he was a uh, popular donor. Um, The clinic told him that his donations were good swimmers, so he had a lot of live births, but they never told him the exact amount, and they never kept up with the documentation of live births. So we don't know exactly how many kids are out there. Um, So when I contacted him and told him about all the siblings that I have found at that time, it was very overwhelming for him because he didn't expect that number to come up. And over time, obviously, I've been finding a lot more siblings. So I kind of I keep my donor updated. And the last time that I updated him, when I told him that we broke fifty siblings, he was just blown away.
1: He, he likes to remain private. He hasn't put his story out there with you and gone on this, um, you know, call out or search or adventure for it. Is yeah. it is because of his line of work or just, you know, he's generally a private person? Uh, does he support, uh, you know, obviously you going out and, you know, wanting to find more siblings? How's, yeah. how's he feeling towards all that?
0: He's generally a private person. It's also something that he never openly talked about or told his family. So when I popped up, you know, it kind of reminded him of that something that he did back in college and never told anyone. So he had to go and tell his family this because all of a sudden he has this many kids, but he prefers not to have his name out in the spotlight. He likes to, you know, he's just a private person in general. He does admire the fact that I am trying to meet my siblings and getting to know them and I have brought siblings with me to go meet him again so I try to make it like a family reunion kind of thing like once a year
1: and, and he he's single isn't he and never had his own children that he's raised uh, yeah. that, that's correct isn't it? so I guess in in your way I think there's many stories out there in America and all around the world that you know Sometimes when the donor has his own family and children, he's not interested to even be opening up to say, "Hey, Kiani, how are you?" Like this, you know, and me, Uh, you know, and it does demonstrate he's probably definitely a private person. Because I mean, if I got to, I don't know how old he is. is He must be nearly forty now, or in his forties, or something like that. I'm guessing. Um,
0: Forties,
1: yeah, yeah. So I mean, to get to that age and not have your own children, I think, uh, um, and then have all these donor children, it's sort of something I'd say hey, mum, dad, you know how I, I never had children in life? Well, guess what? I've got heaps of them more than anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, no, look, it, 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 we all come in different walks of life and, and private and, and and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, ultimately he's done the right thing. He's connected, um, connected with you. You've had a relationship now for four years. I mean, it's made, you know, from the situation it is, I guess it can't be can be any any better uh, in terms of that uh, um, by the sounds of uh, how you speak of him today which is fantastic so what happens now does the does the clinic call him up again and ask him for a third round of um
0: donations i hope not
1: and have you made it clear in that no more no more they or...
0: oh, yeah. <laughs> told him no more i mean the youngest sibling right now is a year and a half and that's just because they've had the donation frozen for the mom. Like that's her second kid from the same donor. And I'm like, okay, there's a huge age gap between me being the oldest and the youngest being one year old. Like that's enough kids. That's an, that's a long amount of time for my donor himself to be in the business of meeting all these kids that want to meet him, you know?
1: Mm. And I think, you know, I think uh, right now, I think you're in your 20s, you know, you're in stages of your life where you just want to move forward. I mean, it's great. You can look back and you can see some siblings that are, you know, 10 and 1, but you don't want to be having a sister or a brother that's constantly one years old coming through when you're 40 years old or something like that. Um, So is your understanding, uh, is there any vials left of his in at the clinic? Like... I don't know, and there's no way of finding this out, is there? Like, you know, you, you can't guarantee that there won't be children born in ten, fifteen years now. Still, like, essentially,
0: I, I think there's if moms have extra vials left over, there might be still some out there. And um, but I, I don't know. I, I've hmm? heard,
1: I've heard uh, as well that. In some clinics over there, I don't know, the laws in America I can't keep up because it's 50 states and everyone seems to have their own different, you know, little, you know, little unique little spin on it. Uh, one of the American ladies I was saying to, um, saying to before was, yeah, you can purchase a vial and then obviously it stays at the clinic and, you, and, and in some cases you can even sell that vial back and then it goes back on the market and another family can use that vial. Is this a situation? <laughs> that may happen at the clinic that he went to. Like, I mean,
0: I wouldn't doubt it. I hope not, but I wouldn't doubt it.
1: Yeah. I just, I just don't have much faith in the American sperm bank system
0: that. It's just because of the fact that there's no regulations here. So I wouldn't doubt that they would love to make a quick buck off of another sample.
1: (laughs) Wow. So, you know, of 51, Siblings out there. Mm -hmm. You've hit the half century mark. (laughs) It's a little mini milestone, isn't it, really, when it goes up to 49? My siblings
0: were like, we're going to throw a party for number 50, and then we found two of them. And we're like, okay, 50, 51. That's cool.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you you didn't have time to dwell on that 50 number. It moved on pretty quickly, didn't it? Exactly. So out of that 51, how many have you met now?
0: Uh,
1: twenty two. Twenty two. And okay, so I obviously, we all, as we talked about, we all come from different walks of life. Even though you share fifty percent of the same DNA, and mm-hmm. um, you all have different characteristics, and I guess some way and sense of comfortability and stuff like that. Uh, is the other other thirty? Are they less distant or is it logistical issues or, you know, is it what's the, um, you know, is there any of them have been, you know, found out and haven't been as welcoming or or as warming to, uh, you know, obviously having as many siblings and and, and wanting to, you know, reach out and sort of even at least have a friendship in sort of that way? You know, how how do you find those experiences and, you know, does it affect you when uh, some of these siblings have a different uh, outlook on, on this compared to obviously your own where you're embracing or, you know, going along with it and trying to make the best of uh, the situation as, as you can.
0: So a lot of the siblings that I haven't met yet are younger. Um, So I kind of have to like work with their moms to plan a meet. Um, But a lot of the siblings that I haven't met is because of the fact that their moms are waiting to tell them, that um, they have other siblings that want to meet them or waiting until the kids get older to make their own decision about wanting to meet siblings. So I've mainly primarily met most of the older siblings around my age that do want to meet siblings and know about meeting siblings. And I have met a few younger ones as well that their moms do want their kids to be involved with other siblings as well. So it's just it's a case by case basis with all the um, all the half siblings that I have, but I try to meet as many as I can that allow me to meet them. I am planning to meet a new sister next month. So she, we just found out about her a few months ago, and now she's buying a plane ticket to come and fly down to meet me and stay with me for a weekend.
1: Wow! So, I mean, it yeah. does does offer some magic, doesn't it, Ben? Um, yeah, it does. You know, I mean, 50 might be too much in, in many people's eyes, but, you know, do you, would you say that you're psychologically affected in a, such a negative way? I mean, obviously you, you say that, you know, there may be too many, but it's, it's not beating you down, is it, having this many siblings? it's It could be a bit more ideal, but you wouldn't say you're mentally affected by any of this, would you? Or?
0: No, no. No, if anything, like, the number growing gives me, like, a slight bit of anxiety, but that's just because, like, how am I going to meet all of them? I want to meet all of them. I love being a big sister, so, you know, it's exciting for me to meet new siblings, and I love the fact that I do have so many siblings, so many different siblings, and it creates, like, a sense of family for me because when I do meet a sibling, it's like an instant connection. Like, we get along, like, we've known each other all our lives, and we, even though we just met.
1: So it sounds like you know the issue isn't the amount of the number; it's the amount of time you're able to you know spend with those each sibling, then because it's obviously has to be divided more. Yeah. Um, you know, they people say, oh, people have these, you know, these children have or these adults have been going to see have these psychological uh, effects and stuff like that, which um, I think's a bit you know can be a bit over the top of the way the media try and portray that. Um, well, I think.
0: Depends on how they were raised.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, I, do, I do understand there's a lot of donor-to-see people that didn't find out from the very beginning and that, and that became hard for them. But, um, yeah. but in your situation, and that's what I meant to say in this instance, uh, not in general, overall, that um, coming from your background and knowing from day one, I haven't seen a lot of, I haven't seen any uh, uh, person grow up uh, with a negative uh, view because they've not known from day one. So it sort of just became, it was always normal to them. Yeah. Um, so you've met a few. Would you say any of them are like a new, new best friends now or, you know, like I feel like a best friend or um, to have that sort of extra, you know, I mean obviously you've got your own friends and your own life and your own inner circle and that, but does it feel more special when you've got a, a sibling that is a best friend?
0: I do. So about three years ago, um, it actually just came up in my memories recently on Facebook, but I found out about my, one of my half sisters, whose name is Joanna. And she actually, she just found out about being donor conceived when she had turned 18. So she didn't know growing up and she just came about knowing it when she turned 18, her grandmother told her. And so she went out to the clinic and, you know, asked them to tell her about her donor and find out about siblings and she found out about me and so we found out together that we we only lived about an hour away from each other so within a week of finding out about each other we decided to meet up and we drove halfway to meet each other and then ended up driving overnight on a road trip getting to know each other overnight to go and meet our donor and so we ended up spending about a long a little bit of like three four days a long weekend driving to like about eight hours up north and then eight hours back coming home and we just got to know each other a lot over that weekend so from there on out over the past three years we've been hanging out more and more at least every month and every time I find a new sibling I would call her and you know she'd always want to go with me to go meet them so I definitely like I have grown into that sister relationship with her where I want to tell her everything, and I want to spend time with her and have her sleep over on the weekends and things like that.
1: It does so, sound no, no, you're right. I was just sorry to ruin your moment. It was, it was Yeah, I just wanted to add that it was, sounds like it's a real magical uh, relationship that you you've formed, and um, yeah. it it does highlight the a unique. Uh, situation or advantage or <laughs> a unique position that you can embrace if you are, you know growing up as a donor conceived person to look forward to and if if you open yourself up to it you can you can be uh, exposed to some magical moments in your life. I mean, you, the way you're speaking today just highlights uh, you know these these moments and memories that you have and you're sharing with us how special they mean to you and you know if you, how boring someone like myself is that hasn't got any i'm jealous <laughs> so no look um, look I, it's, it's it's fantastic so you've, you've obviously got to know her in this trip uh you know is there any people talk about nature versus nurture and, and all that and traits and, and whether or not we have uh, qualities or um, personalities that embedded into us from our DNA or, or genetics um I, have you noticed p- particular resemblances or traits like do you ever some for instance do you have someone that comes and contacts you and says hey Keani, I think I could be a sibling and then you look at their face and go oh <laughs> um I don't know or you know like is well it I've had
0: plenty of those moments Well, especially since I started the Instagram page, um, I had a lot of people message me and random, random people would message me from like India and be like, yeah, I'm your brother. And I'm like, (laughs) no, no, I don't think so. (laughs) But then I've had a few people I've found, um, I found three siblings because of my Instagram. They found my Instagram and they messaged me like, Hey, I, I, think that we're related. And one of them being um, my half brother, he had messaged me on Instagram and he's like, is this your donor's number? And I said, yeah. And he's like, that's my donor's number. And so I went on his Instagram page and I looked at photos of him and I'm like, whoa, he looks exactly like my other brother. And I was like, okay, wow. I, I, I took a picture from his Instagram and I put it side by side with, another picture of my other brother and they almost look identical. (laughs) So I was like, he's probably definitely a brother. (laughs) But, um, for the most part, like half of my siblings have blue eyes and blonde hair and uh, another half of my siblings all have like this one dimple on their right cheek. (laughs) And (laughs) I mean, like we all look very similar in different ways because we all still look like our, our mothers too. so yeah. It's cool to see that um, variation of, you know, all the same father but different moms.
1: Yeah, I, I suppose it keeps it interesting. I think there's that song, if um, we all look the same, we get tired of looking at each other. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, look, it, 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 is, it is fantastic that you can, you know, acknowledge that and see that, you know, and even just that brother that looked like a brother, that's pretty cool. Where you just, yeah, wow, like it's a spin out, really, isn't it? Um, have those those younger siblings, the ones that you have met, you obviously some of them are too young at the age of three and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But is there different comprehension levels? Have you noticed of, of recognizing this unique situation that you know that they'll learn more about and obviously become more adapted to as they, as they get older and mature? is there times that you have to try and explain or their mums are trying to explain why you're there? And it's, it's a little bit like, Hey, like and they're not getting it or.
0: Yeah. So my mom showed me a photo of a little girl around the age of like four or five years old. And I looked at this photo and I thought it was a picture of me. And, Cause it looked like a picture of me like as a kid. And I was like, I don't remember taking this picture and she said that's not you that's that's your half sister. And I'm like, "Whoa, that's crazy. I want to meet her." And so a couple years later, I met that little girl that looked just like me and she was I believe 7 at the time that I met her. And at that age time, she understood for the most part who I was because of the fact that she also had two moms so she knows that she was donor conceived at that at that level of understanding from the age of 7 so she just she knew that I was her sister when she did meet me she had a whole bunch of questions and wanted to you know spend sisterly time together and i took her to disney and we got matching mickey mouse bracelets because You know, she was seven years old and she wanted to match with her big sister. But over time, after I met her that way, and then a couple years later, I think she's like 10 now, 11. She likes to video chat with me every now and then. And the last time that I talked to her, her mom had texted me saying, asking me if I can give sisterly advice to her because she was being bullied in school. So I quickly got on a computer and I was able to video chat with her and, you know, she was showing me all the dolls in her room and, you know, just I just get, getting to spend that time with her helped her to feel calmed down and like realize that she's not different because here's someone who's just like her and that's someone that she can confide in and talk to. And that's what being a sister is. So that was a really cool moment for me, too.
1: And that, that, that's a really great point that you brought up here. You know, do you find obviously having a few siblings out there that it would help, you know, if children were all on a network from the time they went to high school and they had the ability to communicate and chat with each other, mm-hmm. do you feel that, you know, that's an extended network that they'd feel more better about, like um, if they're getting bullied then they've got all these other friends or siblings out there that, you know, are reassuring and... You know around them and supportive you know like because I mean obviously you guys have got each other 's backs um,
0: <laughs>
1: you know would that be beneficial for say for the future of donor see people growing up to be able to for parents to put them in like a say a Facebook group where they 're all connected uh, and have the ability to um, speak out to each other and confide in each other and obviously reassure each other is, is that something that you you know you'd say that would be a good system to implement?
0: Definitely. I think being able to talk to siblings is a very important thing, especially for people that aren't able to meet their donors until they turned 18. Like, they're kind of left wandering, you know, am I the only one? Or... You know, are there others out there like me? So being able to talk to siblings growing up, you realize that, you know, you're not the only one and there are others just like you and they're going through the same thing that you're going through and you can ask the same questions and feel like someone's validating you. So I think it's a great idea for siblings to be able to have some sort of communication growing up.
1: That's what I love about this podcast is, you know, we can raise real people's lives, real people's situations, and we can get direct answers. So, you know, for instance, your mum had a, had you, went to clinic at 19 and had you. These women now, with what we've got and the resources we put out there, they can, you know, these parents can listen and go, you know what? She's had a, had a fascinating experience, and these children that are going to school who may be getting bullied or facing anything like that, it's been, you know, in some way... Uh, put aside because they've got that support network around them as well, which is, can only be good for them. And uh, yeah. by highlighting this in our conversation today, it sort of you know, gives real answers and, and direction for uh, people that are going down this path to help make these uh, children's lives um, better as well.
0: So, mm. no, it's,
1: it's fascinating. So now we're going to touch on uh, siblings from different countries have you got siblings out there from different countries? Have they shipped his sperm to other countries?
0: Yep, they have. So as far as I know right now, I have 11 siblings in Canada. Uh, I have two siblings in New Zealand and then I have four siblings in Australia.
1: Four siblings in Australia. Is that all in one state, do you know, or is it all spread out? Or
0: I believe they're all in one state. It's... Two families, one has one kid, and the other has three kids.
1: And they and they are Australian, aren't they? They used an Australian clinic to conceive their children. So this is absolute fascinating raw. The clinics in Australia they try and say, oh, we limit our donors to this amount of amount of families. We will import an American donor, and he will only he will agree to help five or ten families he'll sign a contract to say that now as far as you know your donor never exclusively said i'll only donate to australia or donate to new zealand or donate to canada did he no he didn't
0: it's just wherever that uh people wanted him i guess
1: (laughs) exactly and it's just it just shows this massive loophole in this um, system that Clinics try and buy, uh, abide by regulations, but there's loopholes that they will just take any loophole they can. So mm-hmm. the situation is in Australia. And I think it's a bit different to America because when you go to America, you, you, you know there's no regulation, you know. Mm-hmm. It, so you can expect that there could be 50-plus siblings. Uh, it's just the lack of re- regulations uh, allows that. But in Australia, they preach to you that the American donors that we import will only help five families or ten families or uh, agree to a piece of paper. Now, they uh, even if they did sign a piece of paper, they're not bound by anything in America. Like, there's no law they're breaking. It's sort of just, uh, uh, you know, an, uh, an honest uh, you know, nice. thing. Yeah. Um, but we are seeing again and again that people who are using American donors in Australia, they're having more um, siblings out there than they, they were ever anticipating because mm-hmm. and they're not warned by the clinics, hey, it's not really regulated that well. Yeah. You know, they're not being honest about that. Then they'll come in and they'll try and, you know, have a dig at Australian online donors who know who, who know who they've helped, who are honest with how many people they've helped. And they're not being honest by saying that there could be more siblings out there. They're trying to say, no, there's only 5'10". And mm-hmm. I just find that absolutely raw. It's a scam. It, and, and the psychological effects for these people to grow up thinking that you know, there was only that many families uh, and then to have it turned around rather than um, them growing up thinking, okay, there's only, I'm I'm in America, there could be as many, so they're already open to it.
0: My mom, when she went to go and get inseminated with me, uh, this clinic over here told her that the donor would only be open to maybe 10 to 12 families maximum. And Uh. right now we're at like 32 families, (laughs)
1: Is, is, that a, is that a sales pitch? Is that just, a, you know, get get them in the door and get business? Is that Pretty why much. Yeah,
0: because yeah, that's not a, a legal regulation. That's just something that they, I guess, say to make you feel better. <laughs> that yeah. I should only have a maximum of 20 siblings.
1: Yeah. You know, that's,
0: that's, that's all what they told her. And obviously, that's not the case here.
1: No, it's 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 definitely not the case, I and mean, that's and that's what I really dislike is the dishonesty. If we're all open and honest and just say there is no system, we can't control fate. There could be this many, there could be that many, there could be ten, there could be that. But when they're purposely trying to misguide people, and because it's not on paper, it's just a verbal conversation.
0: Mm-hmm. It's
1: just um you know it's immoral. Uh, for them to be doing this. And I uh, you know if people just want the truth, we just want, we just want, we just want to, you know, that's the situation we're in. Just let us know and we move on. Yes. Yeah. I would
0: love to know the, just the final amount of siblings that I have so I don't yeah. have to keep finding them.
1: Well, but that's the thing as well. I mean, look, how many, you, you said there's 32 families that you so know So Yeah, that you know yeah. of. Did What's the demographic of these families? I mean, you came from, obviously, a same-sex uh, relationship. Are the majority of these um, children conceived? Are they from same-sex or single mothers or hetero heterosexual um, uh, so nuclear families?
0: Majority of them come from two-mom homes. A, I would say about one-third of them come from single moms. And then there are, like, maybe... Three families that have a mom and a dad. And then there is one family that has a mom and a transgender dad.
1: Wow. So, look, these are big numbers, aren't they? I mean, when you see only three families coming from a traditional mother and family uh, father environment, uh, and I'm, I'm noticing this more and more, uh, when donor can see people are going out and finding their their you know their, their extended families or siblings out there. Um, the reason uh, there's so little of these children um, or adults or whatever they are now, or you know wherever the stage is in their uh, their age, uh, what we're finding is is there's very little heterosexual couple donor children, of donor adults coming out and saying, hey. And to me, that's saying that these fathers have not told them that they are donor-conceived. Yeah. <laughs> and And when you look at the demographic, there's more heterosexual couples back then that went to the clinics than there was same-sex and single mothers. Yeah. So realistically, you've probably got... You know, over uh, at least over a double that. You know, like even probably uh, two thirds that if you look at it in that ratio. I mean,
0: and there's probably kids that will never even find out that they're donor conceived, and I'll probably never know about them. You know, that's
1: the real sad point of this story. I mean, like everything else, we've you know we've taken on and we've shone in a positive light. And, you know, there's some magic moments that we've spoke about and highlighted today, but this is the real dark part of this story is you will know and you'll never, you know, your quest of finding siblings will never end essentially because, (laughs) well, because there will be always one out there that doesn't know and there's there's not a system for you to go, Okay, there's one person left that doesn't know. Like you don't know how many don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't. And that's that would be, if anything, the only negative issue in your mind, I guess, that when you when you try and you know comprehend or uh, think about that situation and in, in, in that effect, um, and I, and that's what I just think about donors that uh, well, not donors that go to clinics so. or clinics that take donors without this regulation or monitoring system, that they can't provide these people with answers. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you choose an online donor now, you pick one with a good system that you're happy with. He knows which families he's helped. And there's never, there's never any doubt. Like There's no how many people don't know because everyone knows. And ah, it's just, it really irritates me. But, <laughs> but, and, and, you know, people try and say that oh, um, online is unregulated, but the way I've seen it is we are actually more regulated than the mm-hmm. clicks. And in Australia they can try and say we are regulated, but no, the majority of the sperm they import is from America, from an unregulated source and they choose to pass on the cost, the extra cost, that so they don't mind, mm-hmm. it's unregulated. No matter where what they say, they're unregulated. And, oh, it just, yeah, it's it really gets my blood flowing.
0: <laughs> and we've tried to get some people to realise, like, you know, we would like it to be regulated, but then I guess the clinics came back with, like, their response was that we don't have the right to tell people who you can and can't have children with. And I guess that comes into like a, I guess it's not like a legal battle, but like uh, you can't tell people what to do. Like it's a humane thing.
1: There was a recent story that came out that a lady did a DNA test for her child and it was somewhere in North America and it connected with a, a, a close relative.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So we are living now in the age where DNA tests are becoming more and more common. Go out and get, get one today, people, if you haven't got one yet. <laughs> Clinics can't honestly say to a donor that you you're going to remain anonymous now because...
0: You
1: can't get yeah. anonymous. You can't. And it's going to come, if you're a donor that's donated a clinic and you're doing it for college money to fund you through, you've got to expect now that when you pay, get paid to go and do this service, that you're exposing yourself now with technology, that you are going to be found out. So you've got to decide when you donate today whether or not that's something you're comfortable with because there's no protecting that now with this, tech- with this technology out there because you, you, your mum, your dad could get a DNA test for Christmas and then it's going to be, they're going to do it and they're going to go, what's all these grandsons or grandchildren all coming up linked to me? Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, the, the, the times are changing and for any clinic to try and tell, a donor that they can remain anonymous now is, is total bull crap. So yeah, so yeah. Look, I think that, I think that's a good way because I think honestly that will make guys think twice now and be more accepting of like, hey, I'm going to do this decision. Uh, you know, in your in your in your term, you've had a four year relationship with your donor, but there's many that get shunted and turned away, you know, from the very beginning. Um, yeah, and that, and that could have been a real negative. You know what I mean? Like that could have been a real negative reflection on on your life and your story. If that if that had a, if you had a donor that turned that way, you know, what I mean, so and, and you were you were very lucky that you had a great guy that.
0: I'm um, very, lyric, very lucky. That actually, embraces, him
1: ducklings, that embraces him duck, his ducklings.
0: <laughs> yeah, his ducklings. <laughs> yeah, I actually I even knew of a person who was donor conceived, and they had reached out to their donor because they found him through DNA testing and he threatened them with a restraining order and asked them not to contact him or his family so you know that that's a destroying factor for someone's you know personality and their ego they you know they've been searching for this person to help create them and they just want to know you know those questions like where they came from and what the person that they share genetics with, like, who are they like and what are the common things that they share and what, you know, traits were passed down to them. Like, it's just those biological questions that they just are naturally curious about. And to be rejected that way, it's it can be detrimental to someone's, you know, mental capacity of being donor conceived. So, me being able to meet my donor and have some set, some sort of connection and relationship with him has been, you know, a wonderful thing for me.
1: Yeah, and uh, it does highlight, you know, it is a bit hit, and miss. It could have gone either way for you. You're very lucky. Uh, you know, that's what I like about online donating is I can meet all my um, potential parents that want yeah. to start a family and we're all on the same page. They They know that they're not going to get threatened with um, go-away uh, legal, um, you know, <laughs> uh, legal threats against them. Um, yeah. Whereas uh, the children are going to grow up to 18 or 21 or whatever your legislation is over there and try and reach out or find the donor through uh, various methods. And they could get a really rude shock or reply. And mm-hmm. that's that would be just heartbreaking, I think, for these people that just want answers. so. It does highlight uh, the risk uh, of choosing a donor for a clinic. Your, your mum your, your made a very good choice. <laughs> yeah. Lucky. Yeah, so it must have been his artistic values, wasn't it? But, um, but- yeah.
0: <laughs> his <laughs> athletic abilities and his artistic abilities and background. And I think uh, the very first thing that my mom looked for in picking a donor was actually his blood type. Uh, she wanted to make sure that her child had the same blood type as her so she looked for a donor who had the same blood type as her as well
1: <laughs> yeah no that's that's uh, interesting because uh, that that does happen a lot in heterosexual relationships with the male has uh obviously infertility issues they um they don't want their child finding out saying i've got a b blood type and he's got o and they both got o and they're like going all well, then the kid goes, "Well, how, how have I got AB blood type?" So yeah, yeah, unique situation that your mum did look at that first or looked at as a strong concern. The
0: very first thing she looks for. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so no, that's cool. You know, we all got our little uh, ideologies on how we choose our donor. That's a I haven't heard that one before, but good on her.
0: <laughs> yeah, it helped her narrow down the list quite a few.
1: Yeah, yeah. So no, that's awesome. Okay, so. You know, I've watched, I've watched lots of donor see people, um, children videos, and I've seen, like, um, shows where they do a big party where they get, you know, they film everyone together and the donor's there and all the siblings there and all those scenarios. Mm. And from watching it, I see uh, there's the donor, but he's the young... You know, when you, when you grow up, your parents are uncool, you know, like the uncool father. But
0: yeah,
1: um, and you see all these videos and, and obviously as a donor conceived person, yeah, I mean, obviously you acknowledge him being a donor and you've got a relationship with him and all that. But the children or the people around your age, obviously they're at a similar stage of life as you uh, probably, you know, party a bit or, you know, whatever is whatever your hobbies are in that stage of life. Mm. Is there more connection between the siblings than there is with the donor uh, in terms of like friendship speaking and uh, the bonds that you form? uh, Would you say?
0: I would say definitely. I know that I've had a lot more deeper conversations with my siblings than I would with my donor Because the fact that we are around the same age, we are experiencing the same things at the same time. The fact that, you know, we come from the same era, I would say, like the same time frame of when, you know, having two moms wasn't a common thing back then because, you know, gay parents weren't legal here (laughs) and now they are. So now there's a lot more than usual and that's something that we share in common versus like talking to my donors more just like okay well you know how was your life growing up and how can I connect with you now versus me with my siblings like it's super easy to find connections because we share the same things in common.
1: You know I just thought I'd I'd bring that up because I think a lot of um, parents do think that when the children get older, that they're going to want to hang out with the donor and be, you know, seek that father figure or something like that. And from what I'm seeing is it's like, no, you're not cool, Dad. I'm going to hang out with my, you know, my, my friends who are the same age that, that are, are related, you know, and there's more of an issue. Well, it's not an issue at all, but it's more of a situation of that's more likely to happen where, you, you know, a lot of your friend networks become those those people. Yeah. <laughs> So, no, no, I thought that was, you know, I think that's, I think it's great. I think it's great for you to have that, those friendships formed as well. Yeah, but it does highlight that us donors, we're uncool and the siblings, the siblings don't want to chill with us. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> look. Uh, so we've spoken about, we're going to reiterate it because I, because I want you to connect with more. I want to encourage more people to go out there and get tested or join these registrars will come out and seek you or say, Kiani, I could be uh, a sibling. So what's the guy? But I mean, we've spoken about donor sibling registry. 2757 is his number.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, what DNA company tests are you out on? What do you say? Do you just say, if you're listening to this today, uh, we've highlighted the fact there's a lot of heterosexual couples where uh, people just grow up believing that their dad's their biological dad yeah um how do we convince those people just to go out and get a test you know like do you do we say it on now on this show look at your dad in a picture and look at you can you see any of it in you if not go out and get a test today <laughs> do we say that yeah. or what, what how do we motivate you know people to go get tested and find you and, and connect with you like, how do we do this
0: Uh, I know that a couple of my siblings who didn't know that they were donor-conceived, they went and did the DNA test because they wanted to find out what background they came from. And so, like, they kind of wanted to see what their heritage was like because um, this day and age, like, everyone's always mixed. There's a lot of interracial couples, so you just get curious and you want to know what your background is. And that's how they found out that you know, their father wasn't their father and what they believed wasn't true. So it just, I would say definitely um, curiosity killed the cat. <laughs> You'd want to figure out what your background is and who you come from. A lot of people also do it for health reasons uh, to figure out, you know, if you are genetically inclined to get a certain disease or Syndrome when you get older. A lot of people do it for that reason as well. I personally have not done a DNA test yet. I feel like I'd want to do one in the future, but I already know that I'm donor conceived, so I feel like there's no point for that one, at least for me. But I feel like other people should definitely do it just to get that out of the way and know for sure where your background comes from.
1: Okay, cool. So you you know you are not on the register, so, so no one can has that ability to say you know they do it, and then fifty per cent Keani comes up matching there won't there won't be any of that
0: not yeah. for me, but my a lot of my siblings are on there, and, and they that, immediately tell me
1: and yeah, that will get relayed on to mm-hmm. I guess, I guess essentially you're the leader in all this really, aren't you you're the, you're the oldest the uh,
0: yep, my daughter calls me the head duckling. <laughs> <laughs> the mother hen.
1: Well that's a good and ranking. Girls. At least you've ranked, <laughs> at least you've earned your rank quite well. Uh, <laughs> no, I just I just find it um fascinating and, and yet yeah, there is people out there on, on those different DNA tests that are on there so they can be still linked up to you. Um so yeah, look people, twenty seven fifty seven, remember that number. Search your you know, search your parents. Files and cabinets and see if anything ever, ever written down twenty seven fifty seven and catch them <laughs> out because there's a lot of you who aren't being told your donor could see so we you know we just want honesty out there I know it might be hard for these parents to uh, you know come forward and, and and don't know how to break it to you and they and they also might have that fear of of uh, losing them and stuff like that but I mean ultimately it's the best way now to come forward and clear the air before technology yeah. technology catches you out it
0: more
1: Australian siblings, I never know. Yeah, well, uh, you know, I'm very uh, interested in that. I'd love to hear, find out from you off air eventually if it was all from the same clinic or if it was was distributed to other clinics as well. We'll look into that further down the track and have another groundbreaking story for everyone. Uh, (laughs) Thank you very much for coming on the show today, Kiani. Look, I really hope that this... uh, podcast today helps you link up with more uh because i so yeah and uh, and uh, thank you very much for highlighting a lot of issues and putting a lot of rumors to bed and uh highlighting you know your mental and psychological uh evaluation for us to, all to go she's a you know a normal level headed donor conceived person there's no uh Issues with her, or oh, whatsoever. Because, no, I mean, uh, the media does like to try and say, oh, you know, these, you know, these kids are, but in terms of the situation that you were brought up with, in? Yeah. Uh, you, you're very smart, you, you're very composed, you're very level headed. <laughs> and yeah, I, I mean, you're just a normal person, r- regardless of whether or not you are donor conceived, or whether or not you were raised in a traditional family unit. And I think, you know, I w- want to say good luck in finding all your siblings. I'd Thank love you. it. I'd love to say one day there would be closure, but I think the reality of the system and the regulations, you know, we we can't probably, we we can't see that happening, unfortunately, but. I hope we can get as many answers as we can for you uh, for you in the future. So all the best, and thank you so much for coming on the show today. It was a pleasure talking to you, and we'll keep in touch.
0: Definitely, And thank you for having me. <laughs>
1: thank you. <laughs> and that concludes this episode of "Sperm the Nation World." And since the recent interview with County, she has now found a new half-brother, which brings it up to 52 donor siblings, like the episode States. So there you go, if you are a bit confused about the title, these uh, siblings are just popping up like mushrooms, and it seems like every month there is a new addition to the clan. hope you enjoyed this episode, and who knows, you may be uh, a sibling of Keani. so go out and get DNA tested. You can find out where to get your DNA tested at www.spurnthenationworld.com and other information about Kiani and the episode guide list there. You can contact her or follow her on Instagram. If you'd like to support this podcast, you can on our Sperm Donation World Patreon page. And if you're listening to this podcast via podcasting app, and if you could give us a five-star rating, that would be great. It would allow us to reach out and find more listeners who uh, might be interested in also coming on this show. And also, if you do wish to come on the show, please get in contact with me and, and we can discuss more about it. I love hearing from all sorts of people, doesn't matter what, even if you think the story not interesting, I'm sure I can find something that will really make you interesting. All right, I'm out. See you next week.